Oh, good morning, Shiloh. Good morning. Oh, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I shall rejoice in it. Oh, Lord, I lift your name on high. Oh, Lord, we love to sing your praises. And, Lord, we're so glad that you're in our lives and that you've come to save us because you came from heaven to earth to show the way. Oh, and from the earth to the cross, oh, it was our debt that you paid. Oh, and then from the cross to the grave and from the grave to the sky. Oh, Lord, simply put, we lift your name on high. Amen. Amen. your name on high, and Lord, I love to sing your praises, and I'm so glad you're in my life, and I'm so glad you came to save us. Oh, let's sing it again. Lord, I lift your name on high, and Lord, I love to sing your praises. Oh, 
worship experience we invite you to think with us from the subject the ambivalence of advent the ambivalence of advent god intended for our lives to be linear he intended for us to live linear lives on this plane of existence. He intended for us to experience life in terms of 
the chronology of time. Thus, we always live in three dimensions. We live in the past by memory and history. We live in the present by action and interaction. And we live in the future by expectation. Each dimension is tied to the other. Yesterday's pain manifests itself in today's problems and tomorrow's pessimism. This is why we entitled this message, The Ambivalence of Advent. It's not that Advent itself is ambivalent, but that the impact of Advent is different depending on the status of our relationship with God. As we have said throughout this season, Advent is the celebration of the fact that God came to us and that God is coming again. But what God's coming means for us depends on our relationship with God. Consider recent events. After 10 months of pandemic, there's finally a small glimmer of light at the end of a very dark tunnel. Vaccines from a number of corporations have received emergency approval from the Food and Drug Administration to begin distribution in our nation. It will be several months before we will see the positive impact that we all hope the vaccines will have. Yet, reports from across the nation indicate a skepticism of the vaccine by large swaths of African-American people who know that in the past, we have been the sacrificial lambs led to slaughter for the benefit of other folk. As such, upwards of 58% of African Americans, remembering the horrific and shameful treatment of black people, the Tuskegee experiments, and the 1951 mistreatment of Henrietta Lacks, to name just two, have voiced an unwillingness to line up and be inoculated. Yesterday's horror are resulting in frightening prospects about tomorrow. Consider local issues. Despite last week's victory at the ballot box, our city is caught in a stranglehold of dysfunction. The feckless police union continues to rebel against its mayor president and its chief of police. The hypocritical St. George proponents want a divorce from the parish but doesn't want to pay their fair share for the separation. They can't produce a plan other than to pull away and leave the rest of the parish to pay for their hatred, all in an effort to keep Blaine and Bobby from going to school with destiny and demise. LSU's football program can recruit black young men to entertain them and exploit them on the football field, but they won't support them when those black men stand up for social justice. 
And as a result, there's been a massive falling away. Past poor decisions and past indecision have left us in a situation where we are at a loss to find adequate resolution in our present age. This tie to time is also true in our individual personal lives. Those who struggle with bitter memories of the past often have difficulty functioning in the present or preparing for the future. Many today are trying to recover from past hardships, which often bring about the very negative behavior and attitudes that they're trying to escape. We are not just creatures of the present. We are products of the past. And past and present have a profound effect on our future. This is not something that we can wish away or hope away. Life has to be lived under the conditions that are rather than as we wish they were. But the load becomes bearable when we remember that we don't have to bear it by ourselves. The message of Advent is that God has come to us to relieve us of our hurts and draw us closer to him. This is an offer we must not refuse because we need the help. Our families are in trouble. Our schools are in trouble. Our communities are in trouble. Our nation is in trouble. Uncertainty faces us on every hand. And the word from God today is that we are not alone. Our text comes from Isaiah, who prophesied at a frightening time for God's people. Israel was at the mercy of the Assyrian Empire, and the Assyrians were being aided by the Edomites. When we look more closely at this situation, we see that Israel and Edom were the progeny of two brothers. They were both descendants of Isaac, Israel by way of Jacob, and Edom by way of Jacob's brother Esau. But just as there was strife between the brothers from whom these nations came, there had been a history of strife between these nations as well. History showed that Edom had routinely mistreated Israel. The writer of Numbers tells us that when Moses and the children of Israel tried to pass through Edom on their way to Canaan, Edom refused them safe passage and forced them to go around. 1 Samuel 22 tells how Edom helped stir up and keep up confusion between Saul and David. 2 Samuel 8 tells us how Edom sided with the Philistines against Israel and tried to destroy her. From one generation to the next, the children of Esau did what they could to hurt the children of Jacob. But in every situation, God blessed Israel and caused her to triumph. My brothers and sisters, God is still the difference maker. Edom was stronger 
than Israel, but Israel prevailed because God was with her. Edom relied on its own strength, but Israel had learned to rely on the power of God. Surely, Israel had faults and weaknesses, but Isaiah and others were reminding Israel that there was still something beneficial in their struggle. They had learned how to hold on to what was good in their lives. More of us need to learn that lesson today. Too many of us are holding on to the wrong things and letting go of the thing we need most. Because of our affection for this life, we tend to overvalue the things of this life. But we need to heed the words of Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all other things will be given to you as well. You can let go of a lot of stuff in your life, but you must never let go of God's hand. At the point of the text, Israel's future appears bleak. Edom seems to have the upper hand. But this word from God through Isaiah shows us that the final word doesn't belong to people, but it belongs to God. God gives a word both to Israel and to Edom. To Israel, God assures them that relief is coming when this time of judgment has passed. But when God turns from Israel to Edom, he uses a metaphor that the people would easily recognize. In Isaiah's time, cities were walled and the walls were manned by guards who sat in towers and critically considered the conditions around them. During particularly tense times, a call would often go out in the night, God, tell us what you see. And the guard would either report all is well, or he would tell them that danger is lurking. Well, God has raised up his church today to be guards over his kingdom. And God is saying to us today, stand, watch for me, and report what you see. Warn my people. When you see impending danger, when you see disaster coming, don't hold back. Don't keep silent, but sound the alarm. As God's gods, we have a responsibility to cry out against sin. We have a charge to call people back to the will and the word of our creator. In this vision, Isaiah sees a God on the wall peering out into Edom's future. And a concerned Edom asks, God, when will the night be over? How soon Will it end? And the answer that comes back is, morning is coming, but the night will return. My brothers and sisters, this is the ambivalence of Advent. The prophet is telling us that though God is coming, his coming won't mean the same thing for everybody. 
This is the message we want to leave with us today. As we face a future filled with danger and uncertainty, we too should be asking, when will the night be over? And just as in Isaiah's time, the answer is not the same for everybody. Morning is coming, but the night will return. And so this leads us to ask the next question, for whom will the morning come? Who will be included? And the answer is that the morning will come for the children of God. And if the morning of Advent is to come to us, then there are some things we must be willing to do. First, for morning to come, we have to hold to the faith that God is in control. My brothers and sisters, you can't give up on God. You can't turn your backs on God when things get rough and then expect morning to come. You can't complain, God ain't treating me right because you're having a little trouble and then expect morning to come. You have to make up your minds that you're going to hold on to God because God is in control. It's bad to give up on God. You miss your blessing when you give up on God. Israel gave up on God in the wilderness and a generation missed out on the promised land. Saul gave up on God and he lost his mind. Solomon gave up on God and his kingdom was divided. You can't give up just because the way is a little dark. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You've got to know that even in hard times, God is still in control. And then for us to experience the morning of Advent, you have to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. Our church, the time comes in all of our lives when we won't understand what we see. The time comes when the wisdom of this world will fail us, when, when there seems to be no answer to our problems. But when those times come, when it becomes too dark to walk by sight, you can still walk by faith. The time will come when it looks like the sun has gone down, but, but that's when our faith has to reassure us that the sun is still shining. If you keep the faith, if you live by faith, if you walk by faith and not by sight, the morning will come again. Finally, for us to experience the morning of Advent, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. You have to be able to say, I have Jesus in my heart. Don't mistake it. You can't make it without a personal relationship with him. A lot of folk want to have a personal relationship with the things of this world, with the celebrities of this world. But can I tell you, you can have this whole world. Just give me Jesus. Jesus never fails. Popularity will fade. Friends will run away. Health will yield to sickness and disease. But Jesus never fails. Hold on 
a little while longer. He'll be there when you need him. Hold on a little while longer. The morning is coming again. Hold on a little while longer. The sun will shine again. He's able to make everything all right. My brothers and sisters, in this season of Advent, there's a lot of uncertainty about the future. We've got some serious problems to contend with. And believe it or not, the world is looking to the church as the God. And the world is asking the question, what's left of the night? Give them an honest answer. Morning is coming, but it ain't coming for everybody. Now, if you want to be sure that morning is coming in your life, if you want to be sure that you can overcome your problem, if you want to be sure that you can hold out and prove faithful to the end, if you want to be sure that you can walk by faith and not by sight, then be sure that your hand is in God's hand. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the answer to every problem that you have. Jesus is your door opener. Jesus is joy in sorrow. Jesus is hope in despair. Jesus is victory even in the midst of defeat. The ambivalence of Advent is not in whether or not he came, but in whether or not you're ready for his coming. For just as he came on that night in a little town called Bethlehem, he's coming before us right now. The word says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, he's coming. If anyone would open his heart, I will come in and I will fellowship with him and he with me. The word says, come to me all that are weak and are heavily burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't be afraid of the dark. Morning is coming again if you will keep your hand in God's hand.
Precious is the Lamb. Precious is. 